This is Fayette Forward, where we discuss trails, transit, city planning, and anything else that's on our minds. Our goal is to keep Fayetteville moving forward in a positive, inclusive, and intentional way that benefits everyone who lives in this great city in the Ozarks. You ready? Come on in. Hello and welcome to the show. Today's guest is Joanna Bell. She's the Arts and Culture Director for the City of Fayetteville. Thanks for joining us, Joanna. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, same here. Well, do you mind starting out by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work for the city of Fayetteville? Sure. So I am an arts administrator, which means that I have worked in and around the arts my entire career. So I began on this particular career path by going to Columbia University for arts administration for a master's degree. Once I finished that, I kind of got sucked into the Broadway world and worked on Broadway for about 10 years working at the Tony Awards. And then I sort of got to a place where I was looking nationally in that role and I was thinking, okay, what's next for me? Because there really wasn't an expected next step, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, what do I want to do? And so I had thought a lot about regional theater in my time there. And so I ended up taking a position with Theater Squared because I had sent a documentary film crew to Fayetteville. And when I got the footage back from Fayetteville, it was like a beautiful dream. And I was like, I want to be part of that beautiful dream. And I knew a lot about the work that Theater Squared was doing. So I ended up taking a position at that organization to be a part of the building of the new theater here in Fayetteville. And so I got to work on that project. And then we had sort of a, a brief intermission and some COVID times. And we got through that. And then when I heard about this position, I literally felt like I had dreamt it because it felt like it was a job that combined everything I've ever wanted to do at work into one position. So it's a it's a pretty exciting thing. So that's how I became, that's how I ended up submitting an application to become the arts and culture director. I was super lucky that they picked me and I've been here in this role for about a year now. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I got to go back to that documentary. So I'm so curious. Yeah. What, what was the documentary about? So I worked for the American Theater Wing, which had a series of documentary films called Working in the Theater. In my time there, we had taken it from being an in-studio show where people came and talked together about the theater to sending documentary film crews out into the world where we thought the most exciting theater was happening. And Theater Squared was one of the suggested subjects for that for that series. They sort of were recommended to us by the NEA directly. And we were like, yeah, that sounds great. There's, there's a regional theater in Arkansas. We really want to get to know them a little bit more. And so that's how I ended up sending the documentary crew here to Fayetteville. That's such a cool origin story. Yeah. I, mean, I, that's, I don't think I've heard anything quite like that one, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's how I came to know Fayetteville. Nice. And your job now is to guide project and programming implementation regarding arts in Fayetteville. And what does that involve exactly? And what are some of the ongoing initiatives that you're involved in? So, yeah. So I like to think of myself as a person who speaks artist to the government and speaks government to the artists, right? So like I'm, I'm that, that liaison, right? So I'm thinking about how do I infuse all of the work at the city level in a pro-artist way? And then I'm also thinking, how can I communicate what the city priorities are back to the creative industry, to the creative sector abroad? more broadly. And so that's sort of the heart of what I do. And then, you know, there's lots of different initiatives involved in that. So I get to work on everything from the sort of 
large cultural arts corridor project now called The Ramble. So I get to work in sort of that space, thinking about programming, thinking about how the community might use that space and how we want to invite people in. And then I'm also thinking about what does the role of arts and culture look like in the city of Fayetteville over the course of the next 10 to 15 years? And how do we set ourselves up on a path where we are incubating that sector and making sure we keep the civic identity of Fayetteville what it is today and are intentional about that? I love that so much. And one of the big things that I was reading about when I was looking at your job description online, because I went and looked at it, (laughs) is that you're really involved with the cultural arts master plan for the city. So I imagine that the cultural arts corridor, otherwise known as the Ramble, is part of that, Mm -hmm. but it's probably a much bigger plan beyond that. So do you mind kind of sharing how these things all interplay, how you develop them? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we are in the process of just getting ready to launch our cultural arts plan. Right now, we have not had a plan to date. So it's not like we are updating something that's been an existing document. So we're looking at all of the other plans that have existed for City of Fayetteville, right? We have a master plan, City Plan 2040, where within that we sort of list cultural resources and we talk about how important they are to the city, but we don't necessarily have a plan for them the same way that we have a plan for trails or we have a plan for transportation or the Unified Development Code, right, where you have like plans for all of these other areas. And so my position is sort of tasked with the idea of thinking about those resources that we have in place, what municipal levers and what role does the city have in making sure that that, that is a healthy ecosystem and that we have that those cultural resources today and for the future. Oh, I love it. We are long-term planning nerds. So yeah, it's so you know we're getting ready to launch this process. There's currently an RFP out. We're going to bring in some consultants with some expertise and sort of policymaking nationally, thinking about how we want to build our plan for the future. That's great. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what a plan even is for those of us who love the concept, but maybe would be totally lost if someone threw one out in front of us? Sure. I would say that it's the same as any other plan, right? So we're thinking about the city has a limited number of levers that they can pull. They have a limited number of funding dollars available toward any particular sector. And so we're thinking about how do we make a plan that achieves the goals of the city in a long-term way. So our arts and culture goals, right, we have to figure out what they even are, right, because we haven't written this down before. So, you know, up until this point, we have had a tremendous amount of arts and culture success in our city. And a lot of that has come sort of organically. It's sort of bubbled up, right? There's a theater company and that theater company is worthy of investment. So the city invests and, you know, we decide we need a performing arts center. So we build it. We want a botanical gardens. So we build it, right? But when we think about like what is missing and who is not at that table, that's what a cultural plan will do for you and fill in those gaps and make a plan for the future. So that investment is being done both equitably and with an eye towards what you want to incubate for the future and what outcomes you want to encourage. Do you have any info you could share with us on the progress of the Ramble? Because I know the Lower Ramble is already active and we love that. And I know the parking deck is nearly complete. And so the Upper Ramble should be getting underway very soon. They're going to close off that parking lot and make it much more beautiful. So can you tell us a little about what you know about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you what I know from construction meetings, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just a fly on the wall for those at this (laughs) point. But what we're looking to do as soon as the parking deck is functional, then we're looking to jump right into construction 
because basically we need the replacement parking in order to start construction on the existing lot that will be the Civic Plaza Upper Ramble area. How do you see the Upper Ramble versus the Lower Ramble in terms of activating it for cultural events and things like that long term? Because I know the Upper Ramble is supposed to be a green space. I know there's there's talk of like a hotel potentially, mm-hmm. maybe a food hall. Mm-hmm. You food know, is there is there a plan as part of that cultural plan that you're talking about relative to how each space might be used differently? Well, I mean, as part of the broader plan, right, my hope is that all of our public spaces are addressed and we we think about all of them as part of the larger cultural plan. As far as how we feel like the upper ramble and the ramble itself might be used, this is sort of our first pair of urban parks. We don't really have other green space downtown. And so that's sort of an exciting new addition to the jewel box of of parks that we already have. So one thing I've learned about the Lower Ramble this year is the Lower Ramble is really about movement. Like Mm -hmm. the things that do the best in that space are the things that sort of move through it, right? There's such an invitation to move in every way in that space. And I love the accessibility of it and the fact that you you can go east, west, north, south, in the woods, out of the woods. And so the Lower Ramble, I think, is really about movement. It's not really a gathering space. When I think about the Civic Plaza and the Upper Ramble, that's really going to be a space for gathering and bringing people together. So we're thinking about programming for that space that will enhance that. And a lot of that's going to be driven by our community, right? We want to see everything from lawn games to bingo nights to concerts to dances. We want to see everything in that space, anything that anybody can think of, there will be a mechanism by which you can ask for that space and program it. That is incredible. And you got me so excited by saying bingo. And then I started thinking about roller skating and I'm just so pumped for that thing to open. (laughs) It's one of those things that I think when we first came here, it hadn't even started yet, but it was it was being conceived. And I remember they were voting on the name and everything. And it's just so cool to hear the updates and just imagine what could be possible. And as someone who's constantly wanting to eat and drink, I think that just having that food hall there so that you can cool off, get some like lemonade or something, or you can get something to eat when you're down there and you're socializing. It's just going to be freaking incredible. I can't wait. Yeah. So everyone needs to bear with us while we build everything that we need to build, but it's going to be really amazing when we're done with that construction. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, okay. We we recently had Brittany Johnson from CASH. She's the mm-hmm. Director of Communications. And we also have Britton Bostick, who's the long-range planner for the city of Fayetteville. And all three of you are like powerhouse women, and we're really excited to have you on here. And I noticed, again, dorkily going through your job description, that you are collaborating with a lot of other people. And a long-range planner was one of the people that was mentioned on there. So how do you work with people like Brittany, with people like Britton, to achieve these goals? What do those partnerships sort of look like? Yeah, I I guess I'll start by talking about Britain's work, which I feel like, you know, working on an arts and culture plan, I have been gifted a lot of really great, like a great jumping off point by her historic preservation plan. So we're looking at what we've learned from that public engagement process, what all the amazing sort of amenities and cultural resources that were identified in that historic backward looking way, right? And taking that forward into a cultural plan where we're thinking about what does that mean for the culture of Fable going forward and our civic identity more broadly. So there's that piece of it. And as you know, she's a tremendous colleague and an amazing Mm -hmm. human. So that makes it great. And then I have the real privilege of working with the folks at CASH on 
a couple of different ways. They come with a tremendous amount of public art expertise on their staff. So that's been really helpful as I look at building a formal public art program in a city that hasn't necessarily had a formal public art program, right? Like we have occasionally commissioned murals, but we haven't really had a formal public art program. So that's sort of in my my sort of portfolio of what I'm working on as well. So Cash is helping me with that. And then we get to work together. They convene all of the major cities in Northwest Arkansas into what they call the Municipal Arts Alliance. And through that, we get to talk with all of the other cities and find out where they are in their sort of arts planning journeys, right? So by having a service organization like Cash in in our region, it helps guide all of us. So we're pulling on the rope in the same direction, which has been really helpful. I'm curious a little more about the way that the different cities in NWA interact in terms of arts and culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Rogers has a lot going on suddenly in their downtown. They've really amped that up in the last, no pun intended to the Walmart amp, amped that up in the last year. And uh, and obviously Bentonville has tons going on, and right. Springdale has now. They had like the Juneteenth event recently. They've had other things going on. They've they redid their whole downtown with the cobblestones. Really nice, incredible. So yeah. I mean, are all the cities? Do they all collaborate very well, or is there ever like a little bit of tension because we're trying to do something in Fayetteville but not in Springdale, or Springdale not in Fayetteville? Well, I would say every city has their own priorities, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's part of what a planning process is about, right? Mm-hmm. To identify what the priorities are of the citizenry, right? Because as a arts administrator, my job is not to tell you what you want for arts and culture. My job is to listen and speak that up right to the administration and then to like help people make policy around that, right? So my job is not to sort of be a curator, right? My job is to facilitate civic curation and, and, and participation in an artistic space. And so, you know, we all are doing that for our respective cities. So every city has a different sort of identity and a different feeling. And I think the arts and culture programs in those cities reflect that, right? You know, Kenya Christian at Rogers is sort of my counterpart, and she's doing an amazing job at the rail yard and programming all of the different activities that Rogers is, is doing. So she's been a tremendous resource for me in those conversations. And I can say the same thing about Bentonville. Bentonville is very event oriented in there design of of their arts and culture positions. So they also have that living in parks much like we do. So there's some commonality there. Whereas Rogers, it's it's living in, in planning. Springdale is taking a very downtown-oriented approach where the downtown organization is taking the lead in arts and culture, and that's really cool. Asylum Springs, again, is like an event-based plan. So they're looking forward to it. Rogers was the first to have a full cultural plan. So I'm excited to have learned a ton from their process. And now I get to bring that to the Fayetteville process, and we will hopefully be the second with the cultural plan. I know Bentonville's right behind us. And so once we have them all sort of on the record, it's going to be really fun to be able to see what everyone's planning to do in the short term and long term. This kind of reminds me of siblings in a lot of ways. When When you're describing each of the cities, it's like we're all part of the same family. Everybody talks a lot. Everybody's got their own ideas, but everybody has their own identity. And it's it's cool seeing all the kids grow up and see, you know, seeing who prioritizes what. And then, oh, well, this person went to this school and maybe they can recommend this other school to that person. It's it's just cool. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really valid way to say it. Because, <laughs> yeah, everybody's got their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. But but we all get together and we have Thanksgiving dinner at the same table. Yes. Hopefully not too much <laughs> fighting with the crazy uncle. Oh, no. Ooh, which city's the crazy uncle? No comment. No comment. No, no comment. No comment. <laughs> 
I'd be honored to be the crazy uncle. I mean, uncle. technically, we're funky Fayetteville, so yeah. we're kind of the crazy <laughs> uncle, but we're, we're the good kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we spoke with multiple guests, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, about having spots to rest along the trail, maybe water stations, bite to eat. You know, there's trail-oriented businesses and things mm-hmm. like that. We also see art as playing a huge role in these spontaneous kind of uh, gathering spaces. And we're wondering if the city has any thoughts or you have any thoughts in regards to creating nodes along the trail, more art exhibits along the trail, uh, whatever that entails. Yes. Yeah. I am pro more art in all of the places that we can get more art. I can say that one of the things that's really exciting about the organic public art program that we've had to date is that much of that has been along the trail. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time when someone had a piece that was in a a memorial or or an idea for a public art piece or most of them have have ended up being cited along the trails in our sculptural spaces, you know, and so it's been it's been really exciting to see that happen. I know that as a priority for me, I also am thinking about equity across the entire city. So I'm thinking about what parts of our city to have no public art. Right. Like, you know, we're we're expanding so so much on the west side of town and we haven't really addressed that as much as we could so that's that's what i hope we find through the cultural planning process is where are our gaps where should we be concentrating where will our public art both make the most impact speak to the most people and be as equitable as possible i love that so much because one of the questions that i had was for people who either choose to live farther outside of the urban core the downtown area or they can't afford to live down there, but they love art, murals, cultural events, things like that. I was wondering if that was part of the city's plan. I love that so much because both of us, we have conversations all the time about how art really feels like a key part of placemaking. And art really reflects the culture of a place and it impacts whether someone feels like they belong, right? Mm-hmm. So if you live in a place that doesn't have any public art, you can start to feel like, well, maybe I just don't really matter or they don't care about investing. So the fact that that's huge and that's going to be focused on is like the best news I've heard all day, probably all week. Oh, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so, so glad to hear that because, yes, it's it's tremendously important to be thinking about, you know, creating welcoming spaces and having public art as a part of that. So I think about that as not only the places that are beloved, but the places that maybe are forgotten or feel a little less welcoming than you might want them to be. So particularly on the trail, I'm thinking about places that are underpasses and maybe not necessarily places where you might stop, but places where we can do something to create more welcoming. Yes. Well, I don't know if you've ever walked along the Neocasca Trail, but there's this cute little rock garden that a bunch of people, I think, during COVID put together. And it's right across from an underpass. And I always think that was a natural progression of someone saying this this area has kind of a just an overpassy look to it. And they couldn't obviously go there with their paintbrushes and create a mural, probably, especially during COVID. But people ended up doing what they felt like needed to happen. They made it more colorful, more beautiful, more welcoming, added some character. And what would be, from your perspective, a good approach for someone who, say, lives in one of those areas and they say, here's an underpass, it keeps getting tagged, or maybe it doesn't, maybe it's just feels kind of forgotten or depressing, and I would love to see a mural here. So I would say that you should show up and tell us, right? Okay. Like, you can always reach out to my office, you know, the Arts and Culture Division at City of Fayetteville. You know, I, I want to remind everybody that, like, sometimes, you know, the city government has to move at city government speed. Sure. And so, like, sometimes that can be very fast and sometimes it takes a little bit longer, right? But, like, the idea that, that if you have a space that you think needs beautification and 
you know, there's something we can do to help with that. I would love to know about it because it's very easy to know about the places that are nearby or that I'm seeing, you know, I get to look at all of the C-Click Fix data and I get to see where things are getting tagged and like what mm-hmm. we're cleaning. But it's helpful to hear from individuals where they want art and like what would be helpful. Okay, you heard her say it. Definitely reach out. I think everybody probably listening to this podcast has a spot near them that could use some art. And I love that. Thank you for being receptive to people's ideas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And your role also involves finding like new and alternative funding sources for public art programs Mm -hmm. and also the implementation of the cultural arts master plan. What types of funding sources do you pursue and like what does that process look like? Mm-hmm. Well, we've started by sort of reaching out and applying for a number of different grants. You know, these are publicly available to all municipalities and all non-for-profit organizations. So it's, you know, pretty competitive. There are a couple of really prominent ones I'd very much like to to end up being a winner of, but it's probably going to take us a while to get it. <laughs> but there's, you know, the Public Art Challenge, which is hosted by Bloomberg. Obviously, Walton Family Foundation invests heavily in, in our region, which is wonderful. So we'd love to get more consideration there. You know, uh, the NEA is someplace that I'm looking to see if we might partner. And private individuals, if you are interested in funding public art, I'm delighted to have a conversation. You heard her again. Reach out if you're a rich person listening or you just have, <laughs> you care about the arts and can scrounge up some money. I mean, that's a great idea. Well, one thing I always ask at the beginning that I forgot to ask you is, do you use the trails and the transit in this area and how do you use them? Mm. I wish I were more of a biker. I'm trying. I'm an active trying to learn aspiring how to bike. aspiring biker. Um, it's funny, I went and listened to my colleague Matt Mihalovich's uh, presentation about um, bicycling and, and active transportation in our city. And um, he reported that there are 60% of the people who want to be m- more active on bikes. And I'm like, I'm that person. That's me. You yeah. found me. <laughs> like, Because I'm a little bit afraid to like, not use a trail like I'm super happy on a trail and so you know and I've got some kiddos in my life and uh, it's pretty fun to go on the trail with them but they're not quite at the point where they can go long distances yet so it's just that we we do little 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 side trips from trailheads well let me just plug e-bikes really quickly because they are life-changing like you I'm I'm scared of being on roads I typically try to only be on the trail system but being on an e-bike takes away all of the things that I haven't historically loved about biking okay you know struggling up the hills and that's the main one i don't like arriving somewhere sweaty if i can avoid it and so e-bikes they're expensive but they're really coming down in price since covid which has been really cool and so i would just look into that because we we know a lot of people who have bikes and don't use them and whenever we say well why don't you use your bikes they're they're like oh i sweat too much or just all of those things right and an e-bike really it's been a game changer and i didn't i resisted for the longest time because i'm pretty frugal and then we had friends who had e-bikes and they made me get on their bikes and try them and then i was just like we're getting e-bikes it's the first time you ride up a hill on an e-bike game changer i'm sold i'm yeah. sold i'm into it <laughs> Okay, so we talked a little bit about art as placemaking. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about things like signage as part of placemaking? Because I hate to be that person who's like, in my old city, we did it like this and it was so great. But one thing I don't miss so much about where I used to live, but one thing I really liked is that each of the neighborhoods um, had signs in them that basically said, hey, welcome to Hillcrest. That's where we lived. Or welcome to Kensington. Welcome to this place or that place. And that was one of the things I was really thinking about when I was writing these questions, but also when um, 
when we were talking earlier about that feeling of inclusion and being, you know, mattering, being noticed. And there's so much attention, as you noted, in Springdale, everything's going into downtown. There's definitely a lot going on with the Ramble. Have people ever given thoughts to identifying, especially as part of the historical plan, identifying some of these neighborhoods that might have a lot of really rich history and then acknowledging them with like a character-driven sign. I think absolutely, right? I mean, we would love. That's the kind of thing I would love to see happen. I think that that's like most successful when it comes again out of the citizenry, right? Mm-hmm. Out of the residents of that particular neighborhood. It's you know, I think when you try to come in from outside and brand it and say, "Here's your sign," right? <laughs> that's a little bit less successful in general. And so you know, again, I encourage people to get as involved as possible, right? And I know Britain found a ton of information in her historic planning process about all of the different places that people consider places that maybe we don't see when we are looking at a map of Fayetteville. And so, yeah, it would be wonderful if we can start to think about ways to highlight those. Nice. Fayetteville-ins. Is that how you say it? Fayetteville-ins? Fayetteville-ins. 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 Or villains. Sometimes people... It's like a Disney movie. I was going to say it would make a great shirt. Fayetteville-in. Okay. So as Fayetteville seeks to make the city more pedestrian and cyclist-friendly, tactical tactical urbanism comes up a lot as a solution. I don't Mm -hmm. know how familiar you are with that concept. And is that something that you are involved in? And how do you recommend people get involved if they want to be part of that? I mean, so it's not something that my division has been actively involved in yet, though I'm looking forward to it. I think, you know, a lot of those tactics are involved in, in public art in general, right? Like we think about like art as a toolkit in a lot of the tactical urbanism efforts, right? Like I think about traffic calming and how public art placement can be helpful with that. You know, so I know that what we're working on for the sort of redesign of College Avenue 71B project is going to involve several gateway art pieces and that those identifiers are, you know, the idea the intent behind them is to like both be beautiful and to create a sense of place, but also to traffic calm, right? Because like when there is an object that requires some piece of your attention, you aren't thinking as much about driving fast. And so that's, I, th- I think about tactical urbanism and public art in that particular way, right? Like how can we use it as a toolkit for some of those things that the tactical urbanism wants to achieve? Right. And speaking of 71B, because that's something we're really excited about getting going, are you, is this the medians, like the mm-hmm. stuff that's going to be on the medians? Because I remember seeing a proposal where yep. they were weighing out two different types of, of art styles. So mm-hmm. they they settled on one. And could you tell us a little more about what those things are going to be? Yeah, um, there's going to be sort of pieces of um, what we call like gateway art that are going to be inspired by the work of Faye Jones. And so the design by some of the landscape architects uh, involves very tall monoliths. They're similar to the Peace Fountain at the university. And so we'll be looking forward to having those along College Avenue in those medians. They'll light up at night and have like some really beautiful architectural elements. I love it. And then I know on some B already, there are some murals and public art pieces. Do y'all plan to be including more of those? And if so, would it be something like a business has to kind of actively say, hey, I'd love a mural? Or what does that process look like if there's an overpass or a business? So yeah, so I would say that there's a lot of different ways. Like So on 71B, there's some very specific places that the designers have identified for the public art that they've already cited. I can say that one thing that keeps coming up for me and a program that I'm looking forward to hopefully building once we're on the other side of our master planning process 
is the idea that in our city there are private public resources, right? Like there are spaces that are in the public realm that are privately held. I'm thinking about railroad overpasses that sometimes get tagged and need some graffiti abatement and some beautification. I'm thinking about walls that are privately held but like face public space, right? And and we don't really have a program right now or a process for how one might seek public art or or get assistance for put, placing public art in those kind of spaces. And so that's something I'll be looking at doing in the future. We've had some success doing that kind of work with Green Candy and Sprayville in the past. And that's the kind of thing I'd like to pick up and run with a little bit. I'm so glad you brought up Sprayville because we spoke with Brittany Johnson about it a little bit. But the reason I think I'm kind of obsessed with it is that I love outdoor art. I love mm-hmm. nature and museums. While I see the value and I think they're incredible and super important, you're typically not going to find either of us in a museum. You'll find us just ogling some street art instead. Like we had a great time going to Philly and just walking around and looking at all the murals in the buildings. And so when we saw that Sprayetville was going on, that was right around when we moved here. And we kind of keep expecting for it to come back. And I was wondering, I know that was a private initiative through the American Shaman Group. And I was wondering, are there plans to do things like that through the city? Or do you know if they're planning to do that? Or I mean, I know that it was a lot of work for an individual to do, right? Mm -hmm. That's a ton of permission gathering and artists contracting and things like that. And, and, And I see that happen over and over in Fayetteville. And I think that's why uh, a cultural plan to direct resources and to think about what the city wants to achieve, like what we all want to achieve as like a municipality together, is important because, you know, one person or one's business, that's a lot to take on and it's a lot to perpetuate. But we see it over and over, right? We have these amazing folks who come up with these amazing ideas that like actually transform the place, right? Like, so Sprayetville is one of those. I think about the Roots Festival being one of those. I think about, you know, Pride Parade being one of those, right? Like, there's so many citizenry-driven activities and, and art initiatives and things like that that are tremendous. And so, like, thinking about how we scaffold and support those individual efforts, I think, is really important as we start the plan. That's great. Is there a way for people, maybe listeners or just in general, for people to express, hey, I really love this one and I miss it and I would love to see it? Totally, right? Like I think a part of the the planning process is going to be about feedback. So however we can reach people is what's really the most important part, right? We need as much feedback and thoughts that go into this plan that will make the best plan at the end, right? So the more input we get, the better cultural plan it will be because otherwise there's no culture in your cultural plan. Yeah. Like you, the culture, the culture is what we like. I mean, culture is defined as what we don't say to each other. Right. What we share that we don't explicitly say. Right. And so, like, if that is culture, in order to plan for culture, we need to explicitly say the things that we don't say to each other. Right. Like, and that is the things I love about Fayetteville are. Right. Because otherwise we don't ever have that on the record so that we can't point to that as the place we want to stay or the place we want to go. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot, but what are some of the things that you love most about Fayetteville? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel like I got here after what most of the people who think of Fayetteville as being funky um, is. But I would say that I love how much people love Fayetteville, right? Like, I love 
that Fayetteville is my favoriteville. I love that Fayetteville is fantastic. I love that Fayetteville is funky. I love that this place brings together so many different kinds of people and that we all are united by our love of place, right? So also, you know, our outdoor resources and celebrating all that we have is pretty incredible. I think I love our library, which is where we are right now. I know, it's the best. It's the best library in the world. I agree. I'm going to get my forklift license, y'all. You are? Oh, you're doing it? Totally. Totally. You you too can do that in the Center for Innovation. They Uh have a forklift simulator. You can actually get trained on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so impressed. We'll have to talk about this Yeah, I'm totally going to learn how to drive a forklift. I don't have any reason at this point to drive one, but I also want to know how to drive a forklift. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no reason to need it because it's free and yeah, it's available to you because you you pay your taxes in Fayetteville, and I love that. Okay, I you've know. inspired us. Yeah, I, lo- I also love that like we're not a place that's afraid to pay our taxes and to love our government too, yes. right? Like I love how our city council functions. I love being in this role. I love the way our city works. It's really been delightful. I've lived in a bunch of different places, and this is the most well-run city that I've ever lived in. And I think part of that is how transparent and how receptive people are in the government. They're always asking for feedback. They're always soliciting people's thoughts and, and ideas. And I also just love that we've sat in on some meetings, and if something goes wrong and something didn't turn out as planned, people will own it and say, we really should have thought of that, and in the future, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And I think... In this kind of era of our country, it's almost become taboo to take ownership of something because that can be weaponized. And in Fayetteville, that doesn't seem to be the case culturally. You can admit that you made a mistake or you can admit that you could do something differently in the future. And I think that's a big part of what makes this place so great to live because people know that everyone running this city is just trying their very, very best to make this city continue to be wonderful. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I don't like this one decision that was made and all that, you know, government isn't perfect. It is just people trying to do their best. But just from our experience, we found that people are really trying to do the right thing. And once in a while, they might get it wrong or they might do it a way that you don't like. But the people are all trying really hard and they're nice people. So be nice. Be nice to them. Be and, nice. and hopefully in the long term, things will work out the way you hope they do. Yeah. And try and go to some meetings if you have some ideas and thoughts and whether you support an idea or you have some constructive criticism. Or, but or, or t- run for office. Run for office. Yeah. It's a great place for that. Well, I wanted to go back to talk a little bit about you had mentioned adding art, you know, into different parts of the city and all mm-hmm. that. I'm curious what you think about the different character of the regions of Fayetteville, right? Because we have everything is like building out west. We've got East Fayetteville, South Fayetteville, Northeast, Uptown. Do you have any thoughts on just those different neighborhoods and how they all kind of have their own character? I mean, I th- I think they feel different when you're in different parts mm-hmm. of the city, right? But I also don't live there, so I don't know, yeah, right? Yeah. So so if we were going to be citing a piece of public art, I think we would be doing a lot of conversations. Most of the time, I think I'll be looking at like citing public art on public land. So I'll be looking in park systems that already trail systems, right, that already are ex- existing. And so, you know, we'll be doing a lot of leveraging of conversations that have happened around those planning efforts and then thinking about how to create work that speaks to the people that live in that place or says something about that place, right? That, that's what I think the power of public art is, right? It's, the, it's a shared conversation between people who live there and people who don't, and it says something about the place that you are when you arrive there. Yep. Well, just hearing you say that made me think, I think we're both kind of in the Gully Park area, right? Mm-hmm. So I always think about how what, one of the big defining characteristics of our park is the frogs. They're always ribbiting and croaking and everything and just how 
incorporating incorporating frogs into some art would just feel so gully specific. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure there are people who have their kind of neighborhood park would probably have all of these great ideas. But you would really only have those ideas if you're there after dark at the hours that the frogs croak or maybe when certain snakes come running out or whatever it is for someone's local. Yeah, local I park. mean, and I think there's some some places, right, that are shared more broadly that like maybe speak to the city more broadly. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think some of the the art that will probably end up in the in the ramble will be more broadly civic identity focused, a little bit like our peace fountain up by the town center that speaks to like a big idea. But I think there's space for, for things that speak to smaller ideas and smaller conversations and very place specific placements. Well, if all barriers were removed and you could wave a wand and see something in Fayetteville's future come to life that right now maybe is too difficult to achieve, what would that be? Oh, man. I think we're on our path to it, right? Which is the the idea that we're going to have a plan and have an idea for our shared cultural resources going forward. That's the magic wand that I'm really excited to get to wave because I've already been given permission and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and we're going to like have a thing that lets us know what magic wands to wave in the future, right? Because again, what I want isn't necessarily what everybody wants, right? And so we want to build consensus and we want to get input around what that is. If I could wave a magic wand, it would be like a whole, you know, aesthetic that like would not speak to Fayetteville probably. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. I know. What is it? What is it? Stay tuned. I mean, I think the joke around my offices in the past has been like, if it's weird, Joanna's in. Okay, we love weird stuff here. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll have to get some artist renderings of of what you have in mind. (laughs) Well, is there anything we haven't covered that you're just itching to talk about or new initiatives, anything that's exciting? I mean, you know what? One thing I always get challenged on is why public art is important and why art is important in our lives, right? Like, because it's the first thing to get cut from every project. And it's the first thing, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, great, you're the director of crayons and bubbles and I'm like thanks rude well what I love about art in general is how expansive it is and how when everything else is gone right and you're you know you're looking back at history right and you're looking at the historic plan what we talk about is who we thought and the art that we made you are so right that's all you ever talk about I never thought about that you are so right so that's why it's important. Yeah. Because when you're talking to your great, 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 great grandkids, all that you'll they'll talk about is who you fought with and what art you made. Oh my gosh. So that was that's... some profound stuff there. <laughs> that is my parting my parting thought. <laughs> uh, thank you. That was powerful. Well, we always like to ask people two questions before we head out. Okay. And the first one is what is one simple thing that everyone in Fayetteville can do today to make it a better city for tomorrow? Oh, man. Stop and look around. Think about what you think is beautiful, right? And and acknowledge it and, and ask for more of it. I love that. Beautiful. <laughs> and do you have any organizations or causes or restaurants or anything that you just want to shout out because you like, like it? Oh, man. I have too many, right? Uh, feel there's, free to yeah, you can there's have a few. so many things. I mean, the 
arts organizations in our area are incredible. Everyone should go take a pottery class at the Community Creative Center. Everyone should see a show at Theater Squared. Everyone should buy a ticket to the Walden Arts Center for something. Hopefully it's a Sona show, right? Like support your symphony. They don't exist without the support, right? Um, Think about going up to Mount Sequoia Center. There's a hundred artists that reside in studios up on the mountain and like check them out because they all have amazing work. Um, buy something locally. Think about like, like if I, you know what, if I could wave one magic wand, I'm going to do this right now. If I could wave one magic wand, I would ask everyone to buy a piece of art from an artist, right? Local artist. Like a local artist, like, and and pay real money for it, right? Like, you know, yes, you can buy a painting for your wall at Home Goods that will cost you $50, Think about something that would be 10 times more beautiful and 10 times more special to you. That's what you should invest in that work. I love that. Yeah, me too. That was awesome. And we have done that. And we really find it much more meaningful because it does Mm -hmm. have that connection to the city. And when people visit us, they'll see some of the art that we do have from local artists. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And I said, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a local artist. It's in, it's very of, of the city yeah. and of the place. And we have also have some plant art that, that we had made from Kate Miramos. Oh, that's that so cool. beautiful on our yeah. wall. So Shelly Mober, we have one of her paintings. That's so yeah. amazing. So yeah. It's, it's yes. just nice to have all these local artists just uh, contributing. So yeah, I do. I agree. Everyone but yeah, should. but everyone should invest in, in, the, in the artists in the way that you would hope that they would be collected, right? Because, you know, one of the things that is really profound for me about art in general is that like art exists best when there is a collector class, right? When there is a class of patrons who are saying this is beautiful art, right? Because, you know, it's one thing for like a Van Gogh to toil in in quiet for his whole body of work, right? And then to have that body of work get sold, but it's quite another to be celebrated in in your lifetime. And to, to know that that work both is valued by your community and also will be valued by your community going forward. That's really helpful and really important. So that's one thing that I wish that we had more of here. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. And we're excited to share this with the the public. Thanks. Thank you so much. 